amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, one and all, wherever you might be. Dr. Simon, and the show is called Stories We Live By. And I look back over my last, oh, a lot of episodes, and I have really drifted far and far away from uh, the work I have done really over my lifetime, which was with individuals. And if it dealt with politics, it was politics of the family, politics of relationships, the kind of politics that might exist between husband and wife. And uh, my shows have been more and more about politics on a national scale, Uh, the politics that I see uh, in which the so-called left and the so-called right are pulling away from each other uh, and unable to do anything uh, but call the people on the other side names. I mean, moving into neighborhoods where they won't have to deal uh, with a Republican or a Democrat uh, kind of a uh, a self-selecting life uh, that used to be uh, uh, in New York, for example, the Italians lived in one neighborhood, the Jews lived in another neighborhood, the Irish lived in another neighborhood, blacks in one neighborhood, Puerto Ricans in another neighborhood. And while some of that was the result of discrimination, uh, much of it was self-selecting. You lived with your own kind, or uh, as I've been talking about, you lived with your tribe uh, because uh, you can trust your tribe, you hope you can trust your tribe. And within the tribe, There were always politics because, as I've said many, many times, uh, politics is the means by which people uh, reduce or stop conflict. And with human beings, there's always conflict. We're individually different, and we have different ways of seeing the world. When children grow up, uh, they see the world differently than their parents, in part because they are biologically different and because they're growing up in a time that is inevitably different than their parents, particularly in modern America in the 20th century, now in the 21st. The changes are so dramatic. Uh, Nothing stands still. And so children grow up and there's conflict. And the parents want their children to be a certain way and there's conflict. And how will they solve that conflict? Uh, They can solve conflict by uh, ignoring the conflict and letting kids go their own way, a kind of anarchy. Or they can uh, practice a kind of democracy in which there is a leader, but uh, basically the leader asserts uh, power with respect um, by being logical, by giving choices. Uh, And with children, if you can be smarter than they are, um, you could really uh, manage to bring your children into the uh, behaviors that you believe are moral and those that will allow them to grow up to be your view of a human being who can concede and can succeed in life. Uh, 
And then there's the authoritarian and the totalitarian, which is always the default position of people in the world. Democracy now uh, on a national scale and in many parts of the world is under attack. It's a scary way to live because you have to give up control of other people uh, except uh, of yourself. Uh, Self-control becomes very important in a democracy, in a democratic system. And the authoritarian system uh, is what produced most of the patients that I've seen over the last 50 years. That is, conflict between parent and child, between authority and children, was basically done by demanding obedience in, a, in an authoritarian system. Obedience uh, was by a behavior, and a totalitarian where obedience by thought. Your thought has to agree with individuals who uh, are, are, your, are your betters, if you will, um, and uh, what I dealt with were individuals who were very self-selecting. Uh, the self-selection was really based upon a feeling of misery, of unhappiness, of confusion. And uh, people who didn't feel this way, who, who felt that their life uh, was uh, um, uh, more under their control or that they could find time of happiness uh, and, and self-satisfaction, tended not to go into therapy. Although uh, I often felt, and many of the people that I knew in my field, that the world that didn't go into therapy, many could be just as unhappy, but were too frightened or uh, didn't believe or had no faith in the possibility that something could really be changed. Um, and I exclude here people uh, who are really in a war zone, who are dealing with a family that is, uh, has a, a cancer that's eating up a loved one uh, and, and uh, eating up the family and its resources in trying to deal with this. Uh, such people do come, but, but, but very often that requires some kind of counseling and not the kind of psychotherapy that I tended to uh, be involved with. And if you're looking at my, my website, you could see my site. It's psychotherapy, therapies with a, a um, uh, quote, quotation around it. Because I don't believe that what I did was anything truly therapeutic or nothing really related to medicine. I was dealing with unhappy people. And unhappiness is not a sickness unless it is caused by a sickness, a real illness, a physical illness, cancer, diabetes, and the like. And then the primary individual who does the real therapy has to be a doctor, a surgeon, uh, somebody who writes prescriptions. And I don't do that. I talk to people. What I find is that most therapists did what I, do what I do and did what I do but we're all caught up in a trap, which I've spoken about many times, which is in order to get paid by insurance, in my case now I get my, my payment through Medicare, I have to have a diagnosis. And part of my job when I sit down with unhappy people is to uh, make clear that I don't believe there's anything wrong with them. Because 
one of the first things that I hear from the great majority of the people who desperately come in for therapy, and most of the people, again, who come and seek my help or the help of colleagues uh, who, who do what I do in some way or another, uh, will start out with, I'm a good person, but there's something wrong with me. And, and the something wrong very often is because they can't figure out their own head. They don't know why they continue doing something that ends up being self-destructive. And at base, even they insist that they're a good person, part of what's wrong they believe is that there's something morally loose in them. There's something morally wrong. And as I'll get into, not in this show, because I think I'm going to do a series of these on this same topic, but the, the, the uh, wrongness and the inability to accept the feeling of being wrong, of being outside, with all kinds of, of, uh, of consequences, of uh, having break bad social relationships, of not being able to earn a proper living, not problems trying to concentrate when learning any kind of a skill, or sitting in school, or getting some kind of training, um, and then of, of messing up relationships, and having some sense uh, which very often takes a long time to be articulated, that they have a hand in making these difficult relationships. Now, what I'd like to do, <clears throat> since I'm not going to go from diagnosis to di diagnosis, uh, is talk about different presentations that a patient will give me from one person to another that define the initial work and where uh, we go. All right. So I'm categorizing here because you've got to do some kind of categorizing to bring some kind of organization uh, into uh, a problem if it's to be understood. But diagnostic categorization, as I keep saying, is really calling people bad names and, and uh, getting involved with a lack of logic by suggesting that maybe something is biologically wrong that's causing this problem, when in fact there are no tests, and, and if something were to be found, a brain tumor or a biochemical upset, it wouldn't be treated by me, it would be treated by a medical doctor, and not even a psychiatrist, because psychiatrists give pills, generalized drugs uh, that, that uh, shut down the brain in various ways, to make it impossible to feel some of the painful emotions that people feel. Uh, <clears throat> they don't do any testing, and there are no tests to be done on the great majority of people who, for example, are depressed, who say they're depressed, feel depressed, uh, live out uh, a depressed life. And I want to talk about really people who have come in desperate uh, that they are depressed, and this is what they tell me, at least initially. I'm no good. I shouldn't have been born. I want to kill myself. I'm useless. Um, I'm working with an individual now, a lovely, lovely man, with serious medical issues, terrible medical issues, who sits and he cries initially that he's at fault for this. And there's no way he's at fault for his neurological problems and other problems. Um, I categorize this under the, diag you know, the heading of shit happens, and unfortunately, shit can happen to anyone and all of us, 
And as I work with old people and I'm getting older myself, uh, <laughs> I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop uh, because it's going to happen. And to understand the problem uh, from a distance is to put yourself out of the problem and say, this is happening to me and what must be done about it? What's the best course of action to deal with this? Rather than, it's my fault. And in our second session, he suddenly said, I miss my father, but he was so strict and, and uh, I could never please him. And the light bulb went on in my head and as I began to explore this with him, it became clear. His whole life, he has internalized his father's voice who said to him, you're no good, you can't do anything right, and, and, and it's your fault. <clears throat> uh, we have certain myths in society, one of which is parents love their children. And many parents do. And many parents love their children and, and uh, understand that their children are separate human beings who have their own feelings and will avoid at all costs trying to hurt those feelings uh, in the way uh, it, 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 to get them to be disciplined in a particular way. But the people who are very often the hardest to work with and the ones who are suffering terribly are people who had things said to them, and I have a collection of these over the years. Uh, I've never written them out, but uh, one patient of mine who uh, was referred by her, her mother as the abortion that failed. Another individual is, um, I shit you out. Um, children who have been told that uh, they are uh, the reason that the daddy left the house or that mommy and daddy drink. And what happens is that children, because they're egocentric, young children, uh, have to have no basis for shifting this back and saying, wait a second, I'm not responsible for this. They believe they are responsible. And when this stuff gets internalized and gets reinforced over and over throughout a childhood, as is so often the case, uh, we had a standing joke, a number. I worked for 25 years uh, at Flushing Hospital uh, in Queens, New York. And we, we'd see these really disturbed children or adolescents or adults. And when you began to understand how their parents dealt with them, I remember we were having a discussion. What could we do to help this kid the most? And somebody said, hire a hitman and put a bullet in the father's head or the mother's head. Make them disappear. Because the things that these children were told with rage, with anger, and where did it come from? This was intergenerational. It's often intergenerational. Authoritarian, rigidity, anger, rage that gets uh, projected onto the child, uh, blaming the child for their own problems and their unhappiness. Uh, it's so common. And it doesn't get discussed outside of the therapy room. It's written about in, in papers by, written by psychotherapists of various stripes, psychoanalysts, probably the most uh, usual. And these individuals have a lot of rage in them, and they feel hopeless and helpless, but everything is directed inward. 
I'm no good. I shouldn't have been born. I ruined everything. I had a woman I worked with for over 10 years diagnosed as schizophrenic. And she really had <laughs> some very interesting uh, uh, beliefs. But I really believe a lot of this was inculcated by a mother who was a fanatically religious individual. Um, I don't like orthodoxy and I don't like fanaticism of any kind, whether it's political or social or, or religious. Uh, and then, uh, anyway, she kept saying to this kid, everything in the world is your problem. You caused it. You're evil. You're the most evil thing in the world. And one day, this very bright little girl, because she was bright, read 1945, 1946 of the Holocaust and the pictures of what happened to the inmates, uh, uh, many of them the Jews, starved, beaten, uh, uh, buried alive. I mean, the most horrendous tortures. And she somehow concluded that within the framework that she was operating with her mother, that she was responsible for this. Didn't her mother say, and the mother is the source of truth, I am the most evil thing in the world and the source of all evil. Very difficult in many ways to work with this. Um, I made some progress with her because I wanted to get her to the stage of a lot of other individuals who come in in which they don't blame themselves unrealistically or realistically. They see themselves as victims. And I have to talk a little bit here about victimology um, because there's so much victimology that goes on in society. The first thing that more and more people say when, when they do something that they know is wrong or believe to be wrong is, it wasn't my fault. And that has to be explored because sometimes it's not our fault, but sometimes it is. And differentiating those things for which we're responsible and those things like an illness or a parent's divorce uh, or, or, or whatever it happens to be uh, are not your fault. You have no responsibility. But confusing that, you see, one with the other, is one of the real human problems that creates tremendous misery for people in their own lives. And deep underneath the um, it's not my fault is it is my fault. It's the same group in group one, but now can point to how they were victimized. And very often when I try to help a person who's profoundly sad, depressed, hopeless, helpless, uh, and just is immobilized by these emotions. And by the way, these are not symptoms of depression. They are the depression. There's nothing causing these symptoms of a neurological nature or a biochemical nature that we know of. Um, and, and, and we just, you know, otherwise we'd all be out of business. And, and uh, I don't, we don't have to be out of business because most of us who, who understand the world this way uh, believe that, and the research shows, that a, a good psychotherapy, uh, and I put that in quotes for the people who do it and the ones who, like myself, are conscious that they're doing it as a metaphorical therapy and not an actual therapy, 
um, we, we see the results and, and the data shows that not only are as many people who are more helped by psychotherapy than medications or drugs, I'm sorry, it's not medication, it's a drug. Uh, uh, not only are they more, but it lasts longer because if you can transform, if a person can find a way to transform their thinking so they stop believing that they're at fault, that they're no good, that they shouldn't have been born, that they're a piece of shit, that they're there... <laughs> You know, some some debased being not deserving of happiness uh, or life uh, for their feelings, for their emotions, for who they are and how they are. Uh, it's a profound change. So that for many individuals, the rage is not turned against the self, it's turned against other people. And most of the time, again, it's turned against people close uh, to you or uh, involved in your life. Uh, I've worked with many bullies over the years. Uh, children, in almost all cases, not all, because there's just too much variability here, but in a great majority of cases, bullies were bullied. And they're enraged. I'm a victim, I can make you my victim. It's how it's done. My father bashes me, I can bash you. And you deserve the bashing. You're no good. You're nothing. So then there are individuals who come in. And one of the things that I used to be when I was uh, far more liberal than I am now, and as a therapist and young man uh, coming out of graduate school, uh, I went to a liberal school. Most psychologists were very, very liberal in their beliefs and topics and believed that we had to help individuals see that they were in fact victims. And I would play the victimology with many people. I forgot, I remember a woman I work with who came in riddled with guilt, telling me she was having trouble living with herself because uh, she uh, uh, spent the time, a time through her child, children's early life, ignoring them or angry at them when she was drunk. Uh, as she put it, uh, I, I uh, climbed into the bottle with my first drink, and that was it. And I said to her, in my good liberal uh, uh, understanding, uh, let's talk about your childhood, because I'm sure you were a victim, and as such, you're not responsible. And I almost lost her at that moment. She said, who's responsible if I'm not responsible? Uh, People who drink too much are told it's a real illness. There's some guy who comes on television every evening. Your addiction is a real illness. And I don't know if he's a real doctor. I have a feeling he's a, a paid performer. But it's not addiction. It's a bad habit, a self-reinforcing kind of a behavior, because at least in the moment you get high, you feel better. And for many people, it's the only escape. But it leads to terrible, vicious cycles of feeling even worse after the drugs wear off, requiring even more drugs, whether it's alcohol or heroin or cocaine or any drug uh, that alters the brain's functioning so that the individual, uh, at least for moments, either feels better or feels less. Uh, many of the people I've worked with over the years who were given uh, antidepressant drugs 
by psychiatrists say, I don't feel uh, angry anymore. I don't feel hurt anymore. I'm not depressed anymore. I don't feel anything anymore. And one of the things that so many individuals will complain about is I don't feel sexy anymore. I don't have sexual urges. My desire is gone. And this becomes a tremendous secondary problem to uh, not feeling anything. Because if you can't feel sad, you can't feel happy. And if you can't feel happy and you can't feel sad, it's very hard to feel anything. You become numb. In any event, uh, I never forgot that session, the sessions I had with her, because I realized she was right. Now, when we explored her childhood, she had been sexually abused. And she described the horror of the abuse from an older family member who would hold her down and penetrate her. And she was uh, still 9, 10 when this would happen. It happened over several years. And, and the pain that it caused, but the helplessness and the rage and the feeling that somehow she was responsible. It goes back to that egocentrism. If something bad happens, it's my fault. And finally, when she couldn't take it anymore, she went to her mother, who at first didn't believe her. And then afterwards said, if you weren't such a little whore, this wouldn't be happening. Um, I do believe there's a very close connection between the fact that she started drinking and for the first time she had some relief from the constant gnawing feelings that she was bad, she was wrong, that she was terrible, that she shouldn't have been born, that she's a whore, uh, that she made this painful thing happen to her and it was her fault. But don't we do this to women on a regular basis? I mean, it's, it's, you see this happening socially, why, near and far. Uh, somebody once told me a story, and she went to her priest to talk about the beating she got. And he said to her, uh, be a better wife, he'll be a better husband. That really helped. So, if, in other words, it's your fault. Blame the victim, which is very, very widespread. What I then began to realize is that I had to help people understand where they were victimized. But now where they had picked up the hammer they were hit with and now were hitting themselves and other people with, they had become what was done to them. The part of being hit with the hammer, and I'm speaking metaphorically or sometimes literally, the part of being hit with the hammer is not their responsibility. It was someone else's responsibility. But the part of using the hammer on others or themselves is their responsibility because there's no way for any of us to change our lives unless we take responsibility. Okay? Now I sound more like a conservative. You have to be responsible. But here there is another interesting problem. Can I take responsibility for my life and earn a better living to take care of my family if I don't have any real skills to do it. And I learned over the years to help people if I could. And of course, this affected me too. Very deep. All of this changed me. Uh, stop complaining about what's wrong. Try to find a way to fix it. Don't blame anybody else for the problem. Don't beat the shit out of myself. 
uh, as, as my patients or I might uh, at times. Um, you should have heard me on the golf course today when my golf game fell apart. Well, the most of the time I was laughing as I said these things about myself. <laughs> anyway, it was a tough day on the course. The heat gets to me after the 14th hole, and I just can't concentrate and hit a ball to save myself. In any event, um, one of the things I began to do is focus on the skills an individual had in terms of the life they were living. And I am a big believer in education. I taught for 40 years at the college level. And I really do believe I helped as many or more people as a professor than I did uh, as, as a therapist. And it was not a bad life balancing off being a therapist uh, and being a professor. Although I really got tired of being a teacher who had to give grades and be a gatekeeper uh, and the large classes where I couldn't individualize the relationships. Um, to really teach somebody well, you have to start where they are and not say you failed, you're stupid, you're not as good as the other kids in the class, which is so much a part of education when it is authoritarian and maybe even totalitarian. It has to be individualized. And the art of a good therapy is to be a good teacher. And more and more, and I wrote a book about this, uh, good therapy is a form of education. And education, when it's a good education, uh, is real therapy. In quotes, because it allows people both processes to see themselves outside the conceptual box that they're in. See themselves other than through the eyes of a parent who is angry and upset with them and with themselves. Or maybe a fanatical religion uh, that, that uh, uh, takes their desires and takes their, uh, their being uh, and says it's sinful, it's evil. There needs to be, for all of us, a dialogue in which we see ourselves through the eyes of others, particularly, I believe, to my soul's depth, someone who respects us, who cares about us, who holds us to standards, but does it in a way for our needs, not their own. And that's what happens in a good therapy and in a good classroom. And towards the end of my career, my classrooms were much better places than when I started my career. And I won't go into some of my own crap that took so many years to work through where I would project that onto my students and, 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 and be judgmental. Um, I hated giving Fs because it said, you know, that this person got an A and a gold star. And it sets up a terrible competition. And the kid who can't make it, uh, rather than uh, 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 being helped through whatever phase of development they could be helped, starts to feel, I'm no good, I'm nothing, I'm stupid. Um, treating people as if they're stupid and can't learn. What a terrible thing. What an awful, cruel thing to do. 
And yet it's done with high-minded morality. It's the right way to do it. The authoritarian system justifies itself both conceptually, this is what really works, beat the shit out of the kid or humiliate them until they give in, break the spirit, or uh, uh, morally. This is God's word. This is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, that it causes from my value system endless damage is another story. The third type of person who very often came into therapy shared some of the values of the first, the self-hatred, others who were the victims. Uh, uh, but very often these were individuals who sort of didn't hate themselves as much, didn't have rage towards the self, didn't have rage towards others, could reason, could think, have good discussion, but were unhappy about the fact that when they were younger, they believed that they would achieve more, that they uh, were really unhappy about the life they were living. And I saw a lot of this as a teacher, individuals who were in school who didn't want to be in school, but wanted to do something else, the arts. Um, I always tell the same story. I must have told this on this show half a dozen times. I'm going to tell it again because it was such a great moment for me. Uh, a young man who came up to me after class one day, and he says, I don't want to be here. I said, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Uh, and already he was nervous to say it to me because uh, my eye turned on him. Because while many of my colleagues would have done what I did, many of them would have turned on him. You know, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Uh, this is the place. This is the best place. Uh, he said to me, this is nothing to me. I, I don't care about psychology. I said, what do you care about? He says, I want to cook. I want to be a chef. So I said, why aren't you being a chef? Why aren't you learning to be a chef? Why aren't you going to a good culinary institute and learning to be a top-grade chef? And he said to me, if I do this, my father will die. Sometimes I would hear my father will kill me. Sometimes my father will die. Sometimes my father will kill me and then he'll die. Uh, I asked him, does your father love you? And he looked at me and he said, yes, I think he loves me very much. I said, then his feelings may be hurt and you may be disappointing his dreams for you, which may very well be his own. And we talked about this and he said, yeah. He said, my father says I have to go to college because he wanted to go to college and he didn't have the opportunity. And I said, okay, you know, someday you may come back to school. Uh, I, I hope you, if you read, you continue reading all your life and continue learning uh, and having some conceptual learning. But if you want to be a chef, you've got to talk to your dad. If he's going to die over what you tell him, then one of two things I think is true. One, he loves himself and his needs for you to carry out and live his life or fulfill something he's unhappy about in his own life or he's going to die of a heart attack running for a bus one day because he's not a healthy man. And we both had a good laugh. And the next week he was not in my class but showed up a few weeks later happy as a pig in shit that he had signed on to a culinary institute in Manhattan, one of the better places. And that his father ultimately said to him, I'm proud of you. Become a good chef. A year later he came in. He had graduated. 
and he was now working at a, as a sous chef. That's the number two man to the executive chef in a very fine Manhattan restaurant. And I don't know what happened to him after that, but I wished him all the speed in the world uh, to have the kind of life he wanted, making people really happy by cooking them really good food and earning a good living at it. Uh, for some people, school is the best thing in the world. For others, it's the arts, it's music, it's something outside of academics. Uh, and, and I believe everybody has a talent somewhere. And uh, for many of the people who came in unfulfilled, it's because of the saddest words that come out of their mouth, if only. If only I had this, if only I had done that, instead of what I did. And very often our work was, is there a way, even though you're married, even though you have responsibilities, to start planning and moving in a direction to get the training you want and need to fulfill the particular dream that you have. I remember a man I worked with for about a year and a half who wanted to be a medical doctor. He came into therapy. He wanted to be a medical doctor. His grades were crap all through school. There was no way he was going to get into medical school. But the more we talked about it, I said, is there anything related to being a medical doctor, an actual medical doctor. Uh, he says, well, I'm interested in radiology. I'm in anyway, he became, through a two-year program, did it very well, he became a, 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 a cancer radiologist. Not radiologist, not cancer. He did, he did the, the uh, radiological work to kill tumors. Uh, he loved it. It was tremendously satisfying for him. Uh, he got to work with doctors, and he found that because his work was good, effective, he was very good at shrinking tumors. He had the respect of doctors, the respect and the love of his patients. Uh, uh, he stood high in society as both a uh, technically well-trained and moral individual and earned a damn good living. So sometimes we can't reach the goal that we want, but we can reach partially that goal if life doesn't conspire too seriously against us, uh, if, if uh, you know, the, the, therapy, the hurricane doesn't blow down our house uh, and take away uh, our lives, uh, or a crazy man doesn't shoot our relatives and, and shatter our family, or if uh, we don't have to endure a nuclear war, uh, all of which either have happened or may happen, uh, gets me sick to think of it, but it really is very hard to fulfill one's ambitions unless there is a stable society and opportunities to grow and develop within it. Uh, the idea that an education, a college education, uh, is uh, $200,000 makes me want to vomit. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Uh, if we love our society, we want highly educated people in it, trained people, people who can give back to society in a meaningful way while at the same time giving themselves uh, a life that gives them some kind of, of real pleasure. Well, you know what? I have five more minutes. Uh, I don't have any ice cream in the house. I forgot to buy and I'm not going to go out and buy ice cream now. 
Uh, I don't actually need it. My belly is big enough. But I got to go find some dessert. The last few years, I love a good sweet dessert. I got to see what's available in the dessert department. And um, I think I've talked enough. I usually try to limit myself to 30, 35 minutes. I'm now 40 minutes. And that's enough. Who can listen to anybody for, for, the, for all that time? So I'm going to hold for another minute. If anybody's there and like to call in, I have somebody in mind uh, <clears throat> who has been writing to me after my shows uh, and expressed a desire and at the same time a kind of a fear to call in. And I would hope she would do that this time, next time, anytime. Uh, <clears throat> Let me, before I hang up, state a problem. I'm talking about this, and I'm not talking about ideologies, the kind of terrible ideologies that are dividing our society. And I have a question. Is the stuff I work with on the individual level that, that caused all kinds of pain within families in childhood, the great majority of the people I work with, have any relationship to the kind of ideologues and whether kind of ideologies they adopt? That would require, I think, a lot of research, and it would require a lot of interviewing of people who are ideologically committed in some one way rigid, uh, fearful of talking about or talking with in any reasonable way somebody with another ideology. Uh, <clears throat> but maybe that's a project. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, if any way, I, I don't know, but I would love to see what the relationship is and if there's a relationship, because intuitively my life experience tells me that there is that relationship. And next time, I think maybe I'll speculate on the uh, liberal ideologies that says everybody is a victim and needs to be taken care of because they're not responsible and the other side that says everybody who's a failure is a bum and deserves what they get, uh, and we have no responsibility. The, 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 those who have, the, in the Republicans, especially, who openly say they love Ayn Rand's book. And Ayn Rand's book, to me, uh, are not only not well written, but a terribly cruel abomination as a philosophy in life. Uh, we owe each other nothing and that the strong, the talented should fulfill and, if necessary, step on those below them. Okay. I think I'm going to hang up. And uh, my last show did kind of well. So I hope this will do well, too. And I think that's it. Let's see. I'm going to send these out again. Good night, all. Hopefully, see you soon. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.